0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. We are joined by Swim Swam Associate Editor Tori Hart from downtown sunny Oakland, California, and Swim Swam Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Any weekend highlights for you guys, Braden, Tori? I got
1: my on? first ever Christmas tree yesterday. Pretty exciting.
2: Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Because you're in San Francisco, I assume it cost about $4,000.
1: <laughs> it actually was a lot more than I expected. I really had no idea what I was walking into, but got a cute little five footer. So it's looking good. So it well, takes
0: you... up like a third of the apartment.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. We're having a, a get together and a, you know, I had to weigh like seating for guests versus tree space. And I don't know that the guests came out on top, but tackle that when we get there.
2: I had uh, Sloppy Joe's for Thanksgiving dinner, which I feel like is the true American dish um, because I was sick of turkey. So there, come at me, tweet at me.
0: Sloppy Joe's and Christmas trees. That's what we're about on the Swim swim Breakdown as well as swimming news. So let's get into it. Uh, ISL playoffs are over for the 2021 season. Was there anything exciting to you about the swimming portion of the playoffs in isl this weekend
2: uh can i say no am i allowed to do that am i gonna get a I mean, nasty email about I mean, that
0: like was there well
2: i will iron got second which i guess, I guess was cool but it didn't mean anything
0: <laughs> was cool um, so match five there was a little bit of drama right because the la toronto battle was still hypothetically there, but then Toronto had eight men <laughs> and on the first day of match six, which might have been nine men, it w- was out. in, was in fourth place Yeah, and that pretty much just tanked. Everything. Was the
2: world record this week in the hundred breast? Did Shimanovich break a world record? He did. He that did. was 55, exciting. 55, 28. It's always fun arguing about breaststrokers and whether they're swimming legally or not. That's like our sports favorite pastime is arguing over breaststroke. I mean, (laughs) I
1: think we meant to talk about this last week or last time he broke a record, but it seems like there's just not a lot of hype around him breaking records specifically. Like, how do you guys feel about that? Why didn't we know going into this that that was a a thing we were going to discuss even? Probably
2: because he doesn't have Olympic medals. I mean, they've been breaking these breaststroke world records a lot. So maybe people are a little burned out, but it does seem all anybody really cares about is his technique. But like, this is what I've been saying on Twitter all weekend. All of the officials by now have to be aware of it. They have to have gone home and rewatched it on video and collectively decided that his technique was legal. And I know people like hate that technique and what he's doing and they think it's too much like butterfly. But like it's it's become not because it's not just ISL anymore. Right. Like we can't just say it's, oh, ISL officials ignoring stroke infractions anymore because he went to the European championships and did the same thing and wasn't a problem there. So it must be legal.
0: Yeah. Didn't get DQ'd in the Olympics. And so unless he has another a completely different technique for long course, then yeah. I mean, at this point it's like, well, the, there you go. And he, he did only break it by four, one hundreds, you know, still a world record, still pretty legit, but yeah, no one, no one seems too stoked. Uh, it's, I mean, that was, you know, that was the playoffs. We, we have the four same teams in the ISL final that we've had the last two years um, kind of kind of a letdown there. Uh, what, what do you guys see for the, for the final? Let's, let's break it down by teams. For Energy Standard to win the ISL final, what do you think has to happen for them?
2: Uh, Caleb Dressel has to not be at full speed, and I think that's probably enough. Um, they won't tell us because it's the ISL and this is how the ISL operates. They won't tell us who's coming back and who's not coming back, but if they get a few swimmers back, especially on the men's side, that'll help. Chad LaClose, knee, holding up will help. Um, But I think for the most part, it's it's whether or not Caleb Dressel is Caleb Dressel from 2020 or Caleb Dressel from two weeks ago.
0: Do... Chad LeClow had a great Tom Shields impression. Oh, that was the best. Best. That
1: secret. was great. Way. Their, their bromance is fun to watch.
2: It's, you know, I texted so Tom fun. about that yesterday, and he didn't text me back. So maybe <laughs> he <laughs> didn't think it was great. No, I'm just kidding. Tom loves Tom Shields impressions. They're pretty much his favorite thing. So Yeah, yeah
0: that, was, that was sensational. Um, it, yeah, Chad seemed like he was good enough this week. It seems like. So my, my real question is for energy, like they can't, some of their swimmers can't get much faster. Like you have the announcers who they're announcers, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, they're like, well, going into the final if Shemanovich can jackpot 30 points. And if Shaban Howie can jackpot 30 points and it's like, they can't get that much faster. Right. But the rest of the field can.
2: I don't think they have to like, I don't think they need they that much faster. Most of the ISL during the playoffs did not look that good. I thought energy standard had more swimmers who swam to their best than any other team. Um, and if they can, and it's, they don't have to sustain it that much longer. They've held on for this long. Shamanovic mm-hmm. should be still going 55s and um, Siobhan Hawley should still be fast because she's been fast at every ISL meet she's ever swum. And, and, you know, Callie, Kelly is overloaded with talent right they're super super talented but they don't seem to have a spark this year especially with with Caleb and it sounds like they've had a lot of illnesses i think a lot of the teams have had more trouble with illness be that covid or colds or flus or however they're going to describe it um, but you know they just they feel a little flat to me other than I think Kelsey we have Dahlia.
1: to assume Caleb is, is going to bounce back. Like it's not going to be any fun if we're going to go into this thinking, Caleb's going to be nah. like, I'm ready to hype up his performances again. I think he's back. I think, you know, not to, to you know, put everything on him, but uh, it should be pretty fun having honestly, like, as you said, Braden, this coming down to whether he's performing or not. And I think I'm going to go into the weekend assuming that that's the case.
2: Very optimistic of you to assume that a guy who was out of the water for three weeks, swam slowly, got a cold, missed a meet, and then maybe has three days to train, will we'll bounce back. He's Caleb Dressel.
0: Right. Okay. I, so let's, you know, the top two teams are the top two teams. We've seen Cali and Energy completely dominate. Does London have a chance at all to take the ISL title?
2: I think they do um, because they've got some real stars. You know, they've got Emma McEwen, They've got uh, Kyle Chalmers. Um, I think – do we all agree that Adam Petey isn't swimming? I mean, they're never going to tell us. It's going to be, you know, the no the way. men's 50 breaststroke is going to come and go next week, and they're going to say, well, we'll see if he shows up for the 100. I mean, that's, <laughs> that just feels like how it's going. But I can't see any way he's coming back. Um, man, if Pregoda showed up, that would be big. Um, I'm really curious
0: as to why did he, do you know if he ended up swimming at Russian championships that that meet Uh, that he was entered at?
2: I don't believe he did, but if Tori talks, I'll look while she's talking.
1: (laughs) I mean, in regards to PD, this is a guy who posts on social media constantly and he has not mentioned the roar in. a long time so i think unless this is somehow the best kept secret in a league that's that's not really great at at keeping secrets around these things uh i think we can assume that that the london roar are not getting pd back uh probably cannot challenge for the title however i think there could be a very exciting battle for for third and fourth place as has kind of been the story of the playoffs the battle between la and the roar which obviously was a was a was a tough draw but um I think there's excitement there. It's not just about who's first and second.
2: Isn't it though?
1: I mean, <laughs> technically, but it's always um, fun to, to watch the battle within the battle.
2: I feel uh, like London
0: is always there and just for whatever reason just misses. Like, I mean, season one, they like won the final until skins, right? And then like energy, you know, at the last minute scored like, a hundred points and skins, and and passed them by like twenty points or something like, and that's when they were like London was ridiculously overpowered with like the Campbell sisters, and you know they were like, I had a lot more depth than they do now, but it seems like they're always kind of there, and then and then they drop off.
2: Yeah, I think the, you know, I think it'll be competitive enough that they can you know rowdy and whoever can, can keep talking about how it's going to be Pragoda. I don't think swam at Russian nationals. He's not on the team for short course worlds. Uh, I can't find any results for him since Tokyo. So I don't think he's going to swim. Um, but you know, I think it's, I think this is finally going to be a good match. Like I don't feel like we've really, maybe the, other than the death match, the match of death, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we've really had a good match this season. Um, and so I, I, this,
0: I'll say, uh, L.A. and London's first playoff match where L.A. ended up getting first. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, was you know, that was that was solid.
2: But. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this ISL format where with the, the imbalance of teams and all these other complaints that we all have about it uh, makes for kind of a crummy regular season and a mediocre playoffs. But it does set up for a pretty good final. So um, I'm more excited about the final than I have been about the rest of the season. I, I don't know if that means I'm excited about it, but I am definitely more excited. Um, and I think I think the roar could be there. I think they could. Because just again, Cali's not swimming well. COVID's blowing back up. You know, there's all kinds of variables that could. And, and I think they're close enough that those variables could matter. You know, Cali versus the New York Breakers, there's not enough variables in the world to make that happen. But, you know, it's close.
0: Agreed. And I, I I do feel like LA has enough star power to where they can really throw off any team enough to make another one of those teams surge, right? Like they can offset Cali and maybe a stronger event, or they can offset energy or London in one of their stronger events to where one of the other teams could, uh, could take the lead. They could be the X factor. I don't think there's any way LA could win, but I think they could do things that are significant for other teams winning. So any other thoughts on ISL? I mean
1: I of- do just want to circle back really quickly to the the disparity and the four teams that ended up here and just uh, you know kind of point people to to Reed's article on the site that I thought did a really good job kind of breaking down how we got here and kind of which teams face the toughest paths. And it kind of left me thinking that, um, you know, I think Toronto's performance on the season, you know, given the odds that they faced and and the, you know, obstacles that they saw was actually pretty impressive. And despite not being one of the four teams to advance, you know, it was kind of the, the biggest mover in those bottom four teams that I'm excited about going forward.
0: I mean, I think it was a real shame that Toronto had such a good, Regular season and then in the postseason lost like a quarter of their team, which a lot of teams seem to lose a lot of players in the postseason for whatever reasons. But it, I mean it, it. I mean it's like a different team, right? I mean, I, I guess you see that in a lot of pro sports, like if people are out with injuries or whatever. But maybe this is something the league can do to further legitimize itself in the future is like, okay, if you sign with the team, you can't, you know, it's like in other leagues, you don't just sign for three matches or you don't just sign for like the playoffs for the most part.
2: That's like, not true. Tori, tell them that's not true.
1: I mean, not in the exact same way that it works in the ISL. I mean, you sign for in baseball, for example, there's a the concept of a rental for the second half of the season, but the team is still
2: 10 day contracts,
1: something for them. And yeah, but I get what Coleman's saying. I get what Coleman's saying.
0: Sure. Like, but it would be nice if the league had written policy about this, right? Well, but that's, that's always do
2: what they wanted. That's always the problem with the league, right? Like it's this constant push and pull where the league doesn't really know how to make this work, but they're so afraid of scaring the athletes away because for the stars, there's not enough money in it to motivate them to, to do something they don't want to do. You can write whatever rules you want. And if Caleb Dressel doesn't like it, they'll either make an exception or Caleb Dressel won't show up. Like it's they don't have enough leverage because they aren't offering enough money. All right. Well, we're
0: we'll gonna see. repeat
2: that. <laughs> we're gonna repeat that over and over again for however long Konstantin Gregorishin wants to fund this thing.
0: We'll see. We'll see moving forward what happens. We'll see if they do make changes. Maybe probably not. Uh, ISL not the only game in town this weekend. We've got the Minnesota invite in Minneapolis, where a plethora of college teams are coming and racing and having their midseason invites. We've got Cal men and women, Texas men and women, Michigan men and women, Harvard men and women, Minnesota, Arizona. <clears throat> I, I might be missing a few, but it's a loaded heat. Uh, so we're going to break down the races to watch in Minnesota, starting with men's hundred breast. Who do you got
1: winning?
2: Oh, this is going to be a good one. So we got Max McHugh. Mm-hmm. We got Reese Whitley. We've got Casper Corbeau. That's um, just the top. And that's just the top of the pile. Um, I, you know, I think any, any kind of a Reese Whitley versus, Uh, Max McHugh battle is fun to watch just because of the different styles, the dramatically different styles with which they swim. Um, But I think you got to take Max McHugh here. He's the defending NCAA champion. I think he's the, he's the focal point of the Minnesota team right now. So all of the energy is behind him and the Hunter breast. I'm sure he's getting the biggest part of the coaching um, and he's the defending champion he's the fastest ever and he's been good this year. He's been good. He's been swimming some other races, which is interesting. So I'd like to see him. Um, I am almost curious to see what he swims as his third event. And if he does something good, but I am taking Max McHugh in the hundred and I'm going to take Reese Whitley in the 200
0: Max McHugh is not the fastest ever, but he is the defense champion, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, Tori, what do you think for men's under breast?
1: I would love to someone see, different. Yeah. I'm going to go Reese Whitley in his, in his senior year. Right. I think I would love to see him kind of, uh, you know, bounce back from, from kind of the down Olympic year and, and, and show off when it counts. And, uh, I think it'd be super fun to him for him to jump in there and, uh, shake it up a little.
0: Moving on next event, uh, women's hundred fly. We've got Texas's Olivia Bray. We've got the fastest ever in Michigan's Maggie McNeil. Uh, we've got Cal's Izzy Ivy. Again, that's just the top of the pile. Who do you got?
1: Got to go uh, Maggie McNeil.
2: On oh, I should beat me to <laughs> it. Got to
1: jump in there before you say that. But, uh, yeah, we've. I think no doubt. We've never had any doubt in her collegiate performances and her Olympic performances. Why, why would it end now?
2: She's the GOAT. I... I am calling that Maggie McNeil will not swim the hundred fly. She'll swim the hundred back instead and skip the hundred fly. Um,
0: <laughs> the only way you can <laughs> not say Maggie McNeil.
2: <laughs> um, she's been swimming a lot of backstroke. She's swung, I think she's swung more backstroke than butterfly this year. So I am taking Maggie McNeil to scratch and I am taking um, Olivia Bray for the win. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, women's 500 free. We'll see Erica Sullivan's first collegiate shave arrested meet or however they prep for it.
2: No, nobody uh, shaves or rests for midseason <laughs> meet, Coleman. You know that. We'll
0: see her teammate, Evie Pfeiffer. We'll see Michigan's Caitlin Sims. Um, again, that's the top of the pile. But women's 500 free. What are you thinking?
2: I'm going to leave you, Erica, because I think you really want to pick her. And I think it's Evie Pfeiffer. I think Evie Pfeiffer is one of the most underrated swimmers in college swimming. Um, And I think she's going to win the NCAA title in it this year. So I'm taking Evie Pfeiffer.
1: I'll go Erica purely because she looks extremely happy. She's a racer. I'm excited to see her just go for it here. And, uh, you know, as well as here. And do they swim the mile? They do, right? Yes. Yeah, her best time puts her 20-plus seconds ahead of the fastest time in the NCAA this season. Uh, you know, I think she's she's ready to pop off. She's waiting a long time to get to college and to get to her first invite, and here we are. I think she's going to make it happen.
2: You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for Coleman to go the F back to Texas and film an Evie Pfeiffer for <laughs> Erica Sullivan workout.
0: You know, when I was at the uh, men's inner squad <clears throat> I did get footage of – them swimming at practice. And, uh, it's like in there for five or 10 minutes. It's, it's on our YouTube page. It's not a full practice. I'm just saying it exists. They were doing like fifties at pace and like on a minute, I think or on like 105 or 110 something like that and like one lane over erica had like her own lane and she was doing hundreds on the same interval at like mile pace and and now
1: leah's over there too right so now Leah's
0: is over there uh all right men's 400 i am carson foster v hugo
2: gonzalez can we be shady are we allowed to be shady is this a big enough? Our show. Meet? Is this a a small enough meet for Carson Foster to swim fast at? Ouch. Um, I, you know, I this is going to be this is probably the race of the year. It's going to be the race of the year at the end of the year. I think it's Hugo's race to lose. I know what Carson has done, um, and Hugo was in the B final last year at NCAA's. So I don't think he's going to make that mistake again. He's definitely not going to make that mistake at the Minnesota Invite. So I'm taking (laughs) Hugo. Uh,
1: Yeah, I said this multiple podcasts ago, but I've been excited for Hugo to kind of have his moment for the past few years. Uh, As to whether that will be this weekend, I don't know. He did just have a really good showing at Spanish Nationals, so not to say he doesn't have his moments elsewhere, but his NCAA moments, head-to-head with Carson, provided they make it into the same final. I'll go Hugo as well.
2: Okay, I'm changing my mind. I'm going Carson Foster. I think he breaks... He 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 breaks the trend. He swims well in a big race. And I think Hugo, I don't I haven't seen Spain's short course worlds roster. I just looked for it before we started recording. I think Hugo is gonna be lined up for short course worlds.
0: The shade, the Carson Foster shade. <laughs> I can't believe
2: it. Oh. Carson's Carson's gonna
0: blow it up this year. I'm
2: regretting that already. You just wait. All right. Just Carson, Carson, you're going to do great. I'm just weekend. saying it for the podcast. I'm just doing it for the podcast, Carson. <laughs> I don't mean it.
0: All right, last one. I'm going to throw out there, and then we'll move on. Men's hundred free. We have Dean the Dream Ferris. We have uh, nation leading Daniel Krieger of Texas. We have got Drew Kibler of Texas. Cal must have someone who swims the hundred free fast. I assume. <laughs> Yeah, I can't
2: think of who swims the hunter free for them, but like it got to, right? Well, Ryan Hoffer's done with the ISL. Maybe he'll come back and use that fifth year. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Return was he not already on. a fifth year? No. No, no he, was, he okay. was four.
1: For some reason, um, whenever I saw Ryan Hoffer when he was in college, I always thought he should be graduated by then, even though yeah. he totally took a regular amount of time in college.
2: Because yeah, he's been inside. 22 since he was 13. Yeah, <laughs> he has looks that way.
0: All right, yeah. men's hunter free. Patrick Callan, Olympian as well, he could be in there.
2: Who you got? Daniel Krueger.
0: That's it, huh? Yeah,
2: Daniel Krueger. <laughs> I mean, he's he's already been. What's he been? Forty-two mid already without a shave or taper. Meet.
0: Listen, Braden, you know this, but some people might not. But all I'm going to say here is that I went to a Dean Ferris practice, and he went twenty eight. Seven in a 75 freestyle with fins. Who, what does that mean? Who knows? But I can tell you one thing that is fast. We had this conversation. Is a big taper swimmer. I can't believe you're betting against
2: him. We had this conversation when you texted me that, and I was like, I have no idea (laughs) what that means. Is that fast? Tori, is that fast? What can you do in a 75 with fins?
1: I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I swim in a 33-yard pool. I don't even know what a 75 is.
2: (laughs) Two and three-eighths of your pool.
1: Dean hasn't even swam 100 free yet this college season, right? So he's saving it all for this exact moment. It's all been leading up to this.
0: It's all been leading up to this. All go, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, And again, we have our third big meet of the weekend, in greensboro with the us open this dude we have a we have one meet in each in each uh meters Yeah, we have a yards meet we have a long course course meet in each course Course, yes (laughs) (laughs) because yards are not meters um so us open long course we're gonna see katie ledecky in long course action we'll see some other summers too but i can't say i care that much about them uh katie ledecky what's gonna happen
2: (laughs) Okay, so I think our commenters have the right framing on this. Tori, what do we need to see from Katie Ledecky to believe that Florida is working?
1: You know, one thing, I was reading the same comments as you, Braden, and I think that one thing that I also felt like people had a good grasp on with Katie is despite how consistent she is as a swimmer, it's really hard to predict her times, you know, to the, down to the second because it's such a matter of whether she's, like, feeling it, so to speak. Her, the time she's done really well and the time she hasn't done relatively well have been somewhat random. Time wise, I think, you know, to see Katie feeling it at this point in the season would be lovely. And I think we can't know what time she's going to go because there's just no way of knowing where she's at mentally. She's got this huge move, huge change to her training. Um, I don't even think we can assess.
0: Come on, on Tori, the, on the pick a number. Level. Pick no. a number. <laughs> you this is the breakdown. Number. I'll pick a number. No. <laughs> I say 156, 402, and 820. Uh,
2: See, I think, I, would take,
0: I think if she's those are better, then it's like
2: I would take awesome. the under on all of those. If she's if she's a 40, I mean, I, I understand as far as we know, Coleman. You might know this better than us, but my assumption is that she's doing more yards with Nesty than she did with Meehan. Or that Nesty generally trains with more volume. Is that
0: honestly? I don't know. I think I think people probably assume that because Nesty's you know coached under Troy. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, well, Nesty has find to out, do Colin. a lot of work. We'll, find out. Airplane, we'll find out. Find out, out. <laughs>
2: someday. Um, Nesty has to
0: do a lot of work, but uh, you know,
2: and, by and the numbers, me, I don't know. To me, if she's only going a four hundred two in the final, I don't. That that would make me worried. I think I would need to see – I want to see a 401 or better. I would want to see an eight, 18 or better. You know, I, I don't think your numbers are off much. The 156, I think, would be good. Um, I don't think your numbers are off much, but any slower than that, and I'd be concerned because, I mean, she she doesn't go 403s in the 400 free. Even in season, she just doesn't do that, feeling it or not. Um, so if, if she's going 402 mids or 402 highs – I don't know. That's. I think she'll be fast. You know, We saw her fast in yards, and I think she will be fast. But I think she'd need to be better than that.
0: I feel like there was one time in Mesa at the pro swim where Phelps, I think it was like his comeback, whatever, and he swam the 400 free and like she was went faster. Yeah. Do you remember what the time was? I feel like it was 403, but maybe it was like 401.
2: No, but I can find it.
0: Um, but that was also kind of a different era of Ledecky. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, I gave her a little bit more leeway because it is her first meet back post Olympics post move to Florida. So it's like, you know, if she's thrown down solid times that would still destroy it. Like if anyone else went those times in season, they'd be like, Oh my God, I'm retiring. Cause I'll never swim that fast again. It's like, yeah, looking good.
2: She was a 4.03.8 at the 2014 Mesa Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, but like 2014 Ledecky was yeah. also that was a not ago. fully evolved yet. It was like
2: six coaches ago.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, that's that's all for U.S. Open. Um, other big news in swing was that Stanford senior Zoe Bartel announced her retirement. Um, this kind of shed light on what a, a commitment swimming can be, what the consequences of not being all in can be. What you know, she talked a lot about how she just didn't fully love the sport. And I feel like a lot of swimmers can relate to that. Um, Braden, Tori, what what message did you get from um Zoe's announcement of retirement that really stuck with you?
2: You know, I think there we're having all these conversations about athlete mental health. And I think the maybe the one we're ignoring is that just because you're good at a sport doesn't mean you have to like it. And I think people miss that. I, I wasn't as good as Zoe Bartel, but I hated swimming probably by the age of 12 and I hated it all through middle school and all through high school. Um, you know, I had these, these very old school high, super high volume, where you're doing a 1600 yard butterfly set with two seconds rest in between repeats. And I just hated it. Um, and I think, I think more swimmers hate swimming than any of us want to admit. It's not as much fun as basketball or soccer. It's not like inherently as much fun. And so like her message totally resonated with me, just like I, you know, in, in, I think you're going to have her on the podcast and and you guys are going to talk about what this all means and sort of expand upon her, her statement. Um, but to me, it's like, sometimes it doesn't have to be any more than I just don't like swimming anymore. And that's totally fine. Like, I don't think that's a problem.
1: Yeah. I think at least, you know, speaking from personal experience, the pandemic really led me to just kind of revisit various obligations i have in my life what brings me joy what maybe i don't hate doing but what you know gives me anxiety or you know i kind of dread doing a little and and to see what you know what i could shed to just lessen that and if swimming is one of those things that's a huge commitment to just not love it even if you don't hate it if you dread going to practice or you you know uh just don't feel great about it like absolutely shed it is kind of how i came out of the pandemic like I I'm, you know, I can't think of a good example right now, but I certainly had like, you know, little side jobs and, and tasks that I just were like, this doesn't, this doesn't bring me joy. Why am I forcing myself to do this? There's no reason to. And uh, if she feels that way about swimming, that's an enormous commitment to have on your plate.
0: And I, to, to kind of touch on that point again, from, from what I got from Zoe's perspective, it's like, she was really good. At a young age. Right. And she was really good coming out of high school. And I feel like that can carry you a long way into not even knowing if you really like doing something or not. Right. To just be like, oh, well, I'm really good at it. So I guess I like it. Or like all these people are telling me I'm really good at it. I have all these coaches saying, wow, you're a really good swimmer come swim for us. So like, that's really cool. And you might like parts about it. Like she said, I like my teammates. I like my friends, I like my coaches. Um, but yeah, it's like w- once you get down to it, it's like, but maybe I don't actually really like swimming. And, um, yeah, I am. She is coming on a podcast next week. I'm really excited to expand upon that because again, I think that's something that probably more swimmers than we think. Uh, resonate
2: with. I, th- I think you're exactly right, Coleman. I think for a swimmer of her ability, there can be so much momentum. Like recruiting trips are fun. We all agree on that. Uh, you know, free cliff bars in the, the locker room are fun. There's all these things that are so fun, all of these benefits that come from swimming that are so fun. Um, but eventually, those things, you know, as you become an adult, you realize. Oh, I can buy my own Cliff bars, you know, like some, I I can take my own vacations with my friends. Some of these things that maybe came to you via swimming at some point when she has a Stanford degree, she's not going to have any trouble paying to travel the world, you know? So if that was the part that was keeping her in it when she was 17, 18, those sort of things become, can become less important if you want to be, you know, I think it's worth talking competitively, um, about this because she was a big contributor for Stanford. This does leave them with a breaststroke hole going forward. Ali Rob hasn't swum since October, hasn't raced since October 1st. And she's sort of the next most logical option on the team. Um, so it, you know, Stanford is in a tough position going towards NCAAs. And I think if they want to upset Virginia, they're going to have to figure that part out in a hurry. Um, you know, it, you know, Zoe Bartel, what, I, you know, it's hard to say she wasn't like make or break for their NCAA title, but it is something they're going to have to figure out, I think, if they want to win.
0: And I think they've done it before without the top tier level breaststroker, right? But they mm-hmm. had they had top, top tier everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so which I think arguably they, they do. Now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if
2: they were swimming against a team that's as good as Virginia is.
1: Yeah,
0: that's true. Who Who does have pretty much top tier everything. Uh, so (laughs) it's a good point. It's, it's going to make the team race, uh, definitely a little more competitive, but, uh, on that note, let's play some sink or swim. Number one recruit in the class of 2023, Bella Sims announced her verbal commitment to Florida making their class of 2023 even more loaded than it already is are they going to win an NCAA title in the next five years Florida women
2: I'm going sync they're they're obviously recruiting very well um, one of one of the writers on our staff said messaged me after she committed and said is this a beginning of the end for Virginia and I think that's an exaggeration um, you know, I think they're going to, I think, I think Florida is going to take over the spot maybe that was occupied by Cal previously. Not that Cal is going to totally go away, but I think Florida is going to start taking some of the recruits that had been going to Cal Cal doesn't seem to have a ton of recruiting momentum right now. Um, but Florida is still, there's still a long way from being complete enough. I think, um, you know, they don't have the sprint group that a Virginia or Stanford has. Um, I and, and they could get all of these things. But right now, Nesty's draw is distance swimmers. Katie Ledecky is a distance swimmer. His Olympic medalists were distance swimmers. If Caleb Dressel goes to the world championships and breaks a world record, I know he's on the men's team, um, but it is a combined program. I think if Caleb Dressel were to – be, between <laughs> Nesty and Nesty's staff um, because we know he's not going to be training directly with Nesty necessarily all the time, but if they can do something with Caleb Dressel at next year's world championships or the year after that would give me more confidence that they could win a title.
1: Florida definitely seems to be playing the long game here and, and every single move makes a lot of sense, right? Like, Bella Sims really fits into the ecosystem they're building there. She's a really well-rounded swimmer. She's, you know, primarily skewing distance. They have Katie. They're building this pro hub. But to say that, you know, they only have distance swimmers, like someone like a Kieran Smith is incredibly versatile. I think we're not just calling him, you know, just a distance swimmer. And, you know, Bella Sims seems to be kind of in that category of just extremely versatile, um, just really fitting what they're building there. And whether that plan is panning out in five years, I think could be a little iffy they might need a little bit longer than that but it makes a lot of sense they're looking really good I think I'm also going to sink the five years but love the move in general I
2: I guess my comment about the sprint was more in the fact that Florida just doesn't have them like all these recruits they're getting are mostly distance swimmers when you look at Hayden Miller you look at Zoe Dixon it's a lot of 200 plus swimmers so that that part was more akin to they just don't have them yet
0: Yet. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we talked to Mackenzie Soroki, the two-time Michigan State champion in the 100 breast, broke Miranda Tucker's state record 0048 in the 100-yard breaststroke, and she's playing D1 hockey in college. Should Mackenzie Soroki swim in college?
2: No. I think she's a really good hockey player. I mean, just listening to her description of her her level within the hockey world, She's a very good swimmer um, too. We, you know, we can't pretend like she's not legitimately a good swimmer. but her she seems to be more on the Olympic track for hockey than swimming, I'd say. It, you know, if, if she's dreaming really big and Minnesota Duluth is a place you can go to get to that level in hockey. Um, like I said before, hockey's probably more fun if you're you know how many people if they were good at hockey and swimming of course all us old people would say oh swimming because you can do it your whole life once you're 30 and you're playing hockey your knees are destroyed and it's not a lifelong sport but how many of us at 18 would if we had the ability to go play sort of olympic caliber hockey or be a d1 swimmer would authentically choose swimming i think I I think a lot of, a lot of our readers would say they would, but I don't know if a lot of them really would.
1: And hockey similar to swimming is kind of in a spot on the women's side where there's, you know, burgeoning professional opportunities, some more established than others, but seems like she legitimately is on track to reach one of those opportunities. Whereas in swimming, you know, maybe with the ISL, she's at that level, but um, you know, the opportunity to get, to get media coverage, to play at the pro level in hockey just seems very much within Grasp for her, whereas in swimming, that's not a slam dunk.
0: She also mentioned that you know she was like, "Well, it would be cool to keep swimming because I think it'd be really cool to go to Olympic trials." And it's like, "Yeah, it would," but if that's your ceiling with swimming, you guys are talking about you know having a pro career going to the Olympics with hockey, and you like hockey more. (laughs) It's like she probably, you know, talking about Zoe Bartell probably follow what you like doing more. Uh, Totally agree. We talked to Lydia Jacoby this week on the podcast, and I'm curious what you think is more impressive, her Olympic gold medal or her musical talents, which, uh, which we brought to light via YouTube video.
2: And dang, those are impressive. I think you mean Legidia Jacoby. <laughs> uh, I am not going to take a side on this because I think she's a fabulous musician. She's a fabulous um, swimmer. However, what I am going to swim is at the 2024 US Olympic trials, Lydia Jacoby singing the national anthem, playing it on her upright bass, and then running out and winning the 100 breaststroke in the same session.
0: I wasn't on board until you said you, you brought in the bass. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, how can we compare the Olympic gold, the shock Olympic gold that shook all of Alaska with her musical talents, which are also great, but earthquake it, jokes. <laughs> it is uh, yeah, you can't compare, but, you know, she's more well-rounded in her life than I could ever dream of being. So, swim her as a
2: Tory. as a great role model. Tori, you're well-rounded. You write about winter and summer sports.
1: Oh yeah, That's I was. True. I'll share this, and it's embarrassing. I actually was in a band when I was uh, in middle school, but no one even knew Oh, we're gonna have to, have to do
2: a whole podcast about this. Tell us more. <laughs>
1: no, I regret this already. But we played, you know, some some Green Day, some uh, I can't even remember what else. Amy Winehouse, maybe. We were kind of a thing locally. We were written up in the paper. So you
0: know, in Oakland
1: yeah that's a big deal i regret her this, this year but is uh, any of this
2: on youtube what's the name of the band we're no. all googling it no <laughs> tori just tell it's us not, it's not okay i'll, I'll ask your mother <laughs> okay
0: um yeah we don't we don't have to pick one or the other i just wanted to bring up that lydia Jacoby is multi-talented and it's worth talking about last up on sink or swim today pranella bloom who won our hearts broke mine by getting third on the Danish dance show that she was competing in. It wasn't her fault, obviously, but I'm just really upset. I did the sink or swim was, should she have gotten third? But I mostly just want to talk about it because I can't deal with the fact that after getting first so many weeks in a row, the judges would have the gall to give her third in her final dance.
2: Uh, I am sinking this. Um, And let me tell you why I watched all of the dances First of all, I can't believe Adam Petey Didn't show up for the final of Pernilla's dance show Um, But I I did I think Pernilla Got robbed By her partner This is going to be controversial She is clearly the (laughs) better dancer But they gave her such Kind of a fruity, loopy, cheesy Dance that was like It was too It felt too like forced sexuality to me. Like they were trying to do a thing and they weren't like, it wasn't about the fluid dancing. So like they made the choice based on what they saw that day. And if that's their mandate, fine. But Pernilla is clearly the better dancer. Yeah,
1: I actually, I didn't watch the winning dance. All I know is that in that, the number she did where there's, you know, three pairs, it was hard to discern her from, from the pros in it. The other two pairs are pros, right? I mean, they
2: all look the same.
1: My only benchmark I was saying before the podcast was, was Iman Shumpert winning dancing with the stars here, the former NBA player. And well, he was great. He was fun. He didn't look like a professional. And I feel like if you look like, if you're looking like a professional, you deserve higher than a third place finish on your celebrity dance show.
0: Yeah. Prinella was robbed.
2: It was not. I mean, it wasn't a well choreographed dance, but that's not her job. That's her partner's job.
0: Fair enough. I guess we can't cry over on, more and get your stuff together. Yeah, really, really not happy about that. Neither swimmer won their dancing show. And that was kind of a bummer.
2: But that was our chance. That was swimming's chance (laughs) to make it into the big time. We're done now.
1: It's pretty fitting. It's pretty fitting. (laughs)
0: You know what? Next Olympic cycle. Maybe Lydia Jacoby will show us that she can dance too after defending her golden 24. That would be awesome.
2: What's the first presidential election Lydia Jacoby can run for? Because I'm voting (laughs) for her. Lydia Jacoby 2048.
0: All right. And on that note, that's this, this week's swim swim breakdown. Tune in every week for the Swim Swim Breakdown, this week's news in swimming.